really just want to be good neighbors. We want to love our community well. Uh, we so love Manhattan and this community, and, and we just want to, to be wise and, uh, when it comes to the spread of this virus. And so given the uncertainty of these days, we decided not to, to do the message that was prepared from the book of James. Uh, we'll just continue that until after Easter. But today, for obvious reasons, I just wanted to uh, speak about living by faith instead of by fear. And in our day, uh, given the global pandemic that we're facing, uh, there are legitimate concerns, and uh, they're everywhere. They're just in the air, uh, literally and figuratively. First of all, health-wise, you or people you know may be at risk uh, due to immune deficiencies or respiratory issues or other medical conditions. Uh, are in places like Italy, the entire healthcare system is just overwhelmed by the sheer number of people that have been infected. Uh, you may have financial concerns. Uh, some of you may be missing paychecks because you cannot work during these next few weeks because K-State or school districts have, have shut down. Uh, some of you are small business owners, and when people can't get out of their homes or are encouraged not to get out of their homes, uh, your business suffers. You may have concerns about the immediate future or the long-term future. If you're retired, uh, the drop in the stock market uh, may affect your ability to pay bills month in and month out. And so there are legitimate financial concerns. With kids out of school, you might be trying to figure out how you're going to go to work and how your kids are going to be cared for during the day. Uh, many families, the kids eat two meals a day at school. And so buying the extra groceries is a hardship for many. High school students, you may be experiencing the loss of not being at school during this spring semester. You might miss spring sports. Uh, you may be wondering uh, how you're going to take placement tests, how you're going to apply for college, and all the issues surrounding that. If you're a college student or a grad student, you may be wondering, how are we going to finish the semester? How am I going to finish out my degree? Uh, how am I going to look for jobs if we can't have job fairs, if we can't travel and do interviews? And so I, I say all of that, and as I, as I rehearse those things, I even find myself getting anxious about it. And so there are legitimate concerns given this global pandemic that we're facing. But if your heart is troubled this morning, and I'm speaking to myself as much as I'm speaking to you, if your heart is troubled, believe me that there is encouragement. There is powerful encouragement in God himself and in his scriptures. I want you to think this morning about uh, the disciples of Jesus the night before the crucifixion. Jesus had said some very troubling things. Uh, Jesus told his disciples that one of them would betray him, Judas. He said, one of you will deny me. That was Peter. Jesus had told the disciples that he was going away. He was going somewhere that, where they could not follow. That was confusing. And then Jesus had made these incomprehensible statements about being crucified. And, and understand, the original disciples had left careers, they left families, they left farms to follow Jesus. 
And so when he says, I'm leaving you and you cannot follow, their entire world was thrown into chaos. This is a type of change that they could not imagine. Consequently, their hearts were troubled. The thing I want us to see this morning, it's very relevant for us, is that even though Jesus was the one that was about to be crucified, he was concerned for their troubled hearts. Did you catch that? You see the compassion of Jesus? He was the one that was going to be crucified, but he was concerned about their troubled hearts. And so in John 14, 1, Jesus tells the disciples this. He says, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Even though their circumstances were troubling, Jesus says, your hearts do not have to be troubled. And so when he commanded them, do not let your heart be troubled, that presupposes that we have a degree of say, we have a degree of influence over the condition of our hearts. We're not completely at the mercy of our troubling circumstances. We can engage our wills and let not our hearts be troubled. Now, how does that happen? The antidote, he says, is believe in God, believe also in me. And so, uh, Faith is the thing that will, will uh, alleviate the troubleness in our hearts. The command, believe in God, that would not have been surprising at all. All Jews in the first century believed in God. But when he added, believe also in me, now that was extraordinary. Jesus was telling them, just as you put your faith in God, also put your faith in me. Jesus tell, was telling them that he is to be also the object of their faith. And so this is yet another of Jesus' implicit claims to be God. And I would encourage you, when you get the chance, read the rest of John 14, John 15, and John 16. And Jesus tells them some of the truths, uh, some specific reasons why they should not let their hearts be troubled. These were, were statements that would fuel their faith. He said, first of all, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. Where I'm going, you will join me. You will be there with me. And so they would soon be in the presence of Jesus and the Father. Until that day, Jesus says, I and the Father will dwell within you through the promised Holy Spirit. He said, I will not leave you as orphans. Now, significantly, Jesus doesn't tell you your hearts are not going to be troubled because everything's going to be fine in this world. As a matter of fact, he promised almost the exact opposite. He said, people are going to treat you the way they treated me. And yet he tells them, do not let your heart be troubled. And so if your heart is troubled here this morning, I would say to you, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in Jesus, his unique son, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the one who formed you in, his, in your mother's womb, uh, the one who called you to himself, the one who says to every believer, I will never abandon you. I will never forsake you. Believe in him. He will take care of you throughout this life and into eternity. He absolutely will. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in Jesus, his son. His motivation to believe in God 
and also in Jesus. I want us to consider a passage of Scripture today that assures us that Jesus notices our faith. And that's no insignificant thing. If we really understand and receive this passage we're going to look at, it's in, it's in Luke 7. It can be a powerful encouragement for us to trust God over the next few weeks or months or however long we're dealing with this pandemic. I saw a, a description this week that I thought was helpful. Uh, one person said, uh, getting ready for or engaging this, this, the reality of this pandemic, it's not really like getting ready for a blizzard. It's more like getting ready for a long winter uh, if you're living in Hawaii, okay? And so this is brand new territory. We don't know how long this is going to last. We don't know what it's going to involve. But in Luke 7, Jesus notices our faith. Jesus notices our faith, and that, that should be a powerful encouragement. Notice how Luke sets up the context in Luke 7, 1. It says, when he, when Jesus had completed all his discourse in the hearing of the people, he, Jesus, went to Capernaum. The discourse he mentions there is the Sermon on the Mount that's recorded in the previous pastor uh, chapter. And Jesus went to Capernaum where there was a centurion who lived. And a centurion was a commander in the Roman army, commanded about 100 men. And we learn a lot about this centurion right off the bat. Verse 2, and a centurion slave who was highly regarded by him was sick and about to die. And when he, the centurion, heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders asking him to come and save the life of his slave. And so the centurion loved his slave and he didn't want him to die. And we aren't told when or how, but, but apparently the centurion had heard about Jesus and he heard that Jesus had the ability to heal people. And that, that, that news about Jesus just spread like wildfire. And uh, that, that news stimulated the centurion's faith. And he was confident that Jesus had the power to heal the servant that he cared so much about. And so instead of approaching Jesus directly, we're told that he sent some Jewish elders. And so these were leaders in the Jewish community and apparently thought that they would have more clout with Jesus. Jesus was Jewish, so I'm sending some Jewish elders to appeal to him to come and heal this slave. Verse 4, these Jewish elders appealed to Jesus in an interesting way. And when they came to Jesus, they earnestly implored him, saying, He, this centurion, he is worthy for you to grant this to him, for he loves our nation, and it was he who built us our synagogue. And so their emphasis is that this centurion is worthy. Uh, The NIV says he deserves this. Why? Because he loves the nation of Israel, and he, he's, he actually funded the synagogue. Not all Romans would have been so positively inclined toward the Jews. And we aren't really told Jesus' response to this report that the centurion was deserving. But it's very clear it's going to be his faith, not his worthiness, that Jesus commands. Interestingly, as uh, Jesus makes his way to the centurion's house, the centurion 
sent friends to Jesus about, uh, with a message about his, not his worthiness, but his unworthiness. Look at verse 6. Now Jesus started on his way with them, and when he was not far, not far from the house, the centurion sent friends saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, yourself further, for I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. For this reason, I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. And so this is not the kind of false humility that we encounter sometimes. Apparently, he honestly saw himself as unworthy in comparison to Jesus. And that last line in verse 7, he, he exhibits, he expresses great faith. He says, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. He actually believed that Jesus had the power to heal from a distance with a word. Amazing. In verse 8, he makes an analogy about his own authority and that of Jesus. He says, for, so he's explaining why he could just, Jesus could just say a word and heal his servant. For, I also am a man placed under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he does. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does this. In other words, the centurion is saying, I understand firsthand how authority works. First of all, I'm under authority. There are people over me. If they speak a word, I do it. And I'm a man who has authority. And so when I say a word to one of my, my servants, just by that word, I can control their actions. And what he's saying to Jesus was, you have authority over disease and over illness. Just say the word and you can control my servant's health. And Jesus' response to this centurion, it's amazing. Uh, now, when Jesus heard this, verse 9, he marveled at him and turned and said to the crowd that was following him, I say to you, not even in Israel have I found such great faith. You have to be pretty impressive for Jesus to marvel at you. Jesus was not easily impressed, but he marveled at this centurion's faith. He said, finally, here's somebody who gets it. Here's somebody who understands authority. He's understand, he understands that I can heal with the word. I can heal from a distance. I have all authority. He believes, he trusts, he has confidence in me. And surprisingly, he turns to the crowd and says, not in all of Israel have I found such faith. And that's ironic because the Jews in Israel, they had every advantage when it came to faith. They had the Hebrew scriptures. They talked about the Messiah and his power. And so they're the ones that should have believed, but very, very few of them did. By contrast, Jesus noticed in the centurion great faith, great confidence in his power and authority. We read in verse 10, when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. And so Jesus responded to the faith of the centurion and healed his slave. It's implicit some places, it's explicit in, in Hebrews 11, 
that without faith it's impossible to please God. Those who, who come to God must believe that he is and he's a rewarder of those who seek him. This man had that type of faith. He believed that Jesus would reward him. And so here's the relevance. Here's, here's the point for us. Uh, Jesus, just as Jesus noticed past tense, the centurion's faith, Jesus notices present tense when we have faith. He really does. And sometimes when we have genuine confidence, genuine trust in him, Jesus marvels. Does that prospect just set you on fire? Does that prospect just make faith well up in you and you say, I want to trust Jesus like that? Imagine Jesus saying about you, you say, when I see, when I see this guy, Jeremy, who's in the desert in, in Iraq, and he's all alone, and he's away from family, and he doesn't know what the future holds, I see his faith, and I am amazed. I marvel at that. We can imagine Jesus sees a, a mom who's taking care of kids and doesn't know where the money's going to come from, how the kids are going to be fed, but she's confident in Jesus. He turns and he says, I'm amazed. I marvel. There are people who get it. They understand that, that their problems don't perplex me. They're not too difficult for me. Uh, they're not beyond my authority. They're not by, beyond my say. Jesus is amazed. I would like to challenge all of us, and, and I'm challenging myself as well, all of us to actively trust Jesus during the duration of this coronavirus pandemic. Whether it turns out to be a blizzard or a very long winter, God knows. This is an opportunity for us to live by faith, to cultivate faith. Would you join together with me and our leadership and your life group members and your family members and the rest of the body of Christ here in Manhattan? We have a fantastic faith community here in Manhattan and the body of Christ around the world. Will you join together and trust Jesus Actively trust Jesus to take care of you during these days and weeks and months ahead. And I'm not talking about going into some super spiritual mode and, and just living this radically different life than what we, we talk about week in and week out. I'm talking about engaging our faith the way we talk about week after week, living by faith in the specific context of this pandemic, uh, confident that the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit will take care of us no matter what. Now, I want to give three specific ways we can do that, live by faith so that Jesus might even marvel. And the first is this. I would encourage you to treasure up specific scriptures in your heart. Treasure up specific scriptures in your heart. Take time to mull over specific scriptures that will fuel your faith. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. Uh, for example, and, and I'm going to give you some more examples in, in a couple minutes here. But for example, consider uh, Psalm 46. I know some of you have been spending time in this passage, but what if you just marinated your mind, saturated your heart with these truths day by day? Uh, during these uncertain times. Psalm 46, 
the psalmist says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Ponder how he's not far off, but he's a very present help. And then he describes, what if the whole world changes? What if you got mountains falling into the sea? Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Think on that. Think how God is our present, very present help in time of trouble. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. The earth is being moved, but the people of God are strong and stable. God will help her when the morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Meditate on Scripture. And and you really can't go wrong really anywhere in Scripture. It's possible to get lost in Leviticus and Numbers, but even then they reveal, those books reveal the character of God. But Psalm 23, Psalm 91, Isaiah 40, Romans 8, there's a reason why we have favorite chapters. They're so beloved. They're so rich. And so I would encourage you, treasure up specific scriptures in your heart. And secondly, uh, I would encourage you, pray. Actually, pray. Uh, Like the centurion, make requests of Jesus, make requests of God in faith. And faith is most often expressed in prayer. People of faith, people who are really confident in God, ask him to work on our behalf. Now, most of us say we believe in prayer, but this pandemic is an opportunity for us to practice pouring out our petitions to God. Now, someone gave me this, this um, little paragraph from a, an Anglican priest named Esau Macaulay. And he shared a great idea. He shared this. He says, I have tried to make it my practice to pray for those affected by COVID-19 and against its spread whenever I wash my hands. He said, every time I wash my hands, I pray about this issue. He says, it's been one way to combine faith and action. And so this is a, a practice that I adopted when I heard about this. And so you might consider this. Uh, We're supposed to wash our hands often. Uh, The paper says for 20 seconds at a time. My son says for two minutes at a time. But whenever you wash your your hands, pray for the issues surrounding this pandemic. Pray for decision makers who can affect large numbers of people. Pray for uh, an effective vaccine and for treatments. Pray for healthcare workers who are caring for infected people. 
Pray for protection from the virus. Pray for the financial issues of people in our community around the world. Pray for all the the issues of disruption, the supply chain and everything that goes with it. And so pray, saturate your heart with scripture, let it fuel your faith, let your faith fuel your prayers. And then finally, I'll just suggest, let your faith produce works. Let your faith produce works. We talked about this a couple weeks ago in James 2. Uh, Faith without works is dead. Genuine faith is always demonstrated in good works, especially good works toward the most vulnerable the, the helpless in our community. Maybe you've seen this, this uh, referenced in context of coronavirus, but uh, I came across this again this past week. It says this, Let us have the attitude of the early church toward the sick and suffering, even at personal cost. And he writes, In the year 260 A.D., Bishop Dionysius of Corinth praised the efforts of Christians for victims of a plague, many of whom died. Many of these caregivers died uh, taking care of others. Uh, Dionysius said this, Most of our brother Christians showed unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another. Heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to every need and ministering to them in Christ. And with them departed life serenely happy. For they were infected by others with the disease, drawing on themselves the sickness of their neighbors and cheerfully accepting their pains. Praise God about the, for, the, for the medical advances that have been made since the third century, right? Probably none of us will have to, to bear the diseases of others in reaching out to them, although that's always a risk. But what a powerful example they are of the compassion that Jesus demonstrated and the compassion Jesus taught about in the parable of the Good Samaritan, the parable of the sheep and the goats. And so I would encourage you, as you walk by faith these days, open your eyes, look around you. What are ways that I can express my faith through compassion to people who are suffering, to people who are fearful, to people who have troubled hearts, people that are lonely. And I would encourage you to make a list, even right now, if you've got pen and paper in front of you, make a list of people that God might put on your heart. Who comes to mind? Who in your family? Who in the body of Christ? Who in your neighborhood? Who in your workplace? Who in your world? Think about people that serve you in the community and in stores and shops. Who are the people that might be struggling due to this this virus? Uh, Maybe God would put it on your heart to to go buy groceries for a neighbor who really uh, should not get out into public these days. Maybe you know somebody in the church who's not connected to other people in a life group or on a ministry team somebody that might be lonely, shoot them a text, give them a call, uh, a word of encouragement. Uh, Who is it in your workplace that tends to not draw a crowd of people, who tends to not be encouraged? You are the church. You are the front lines. God has gifted you with faith. He has gifted you with compassion. 
God will use you in mighty ways to meet the tangible needs of people around you. And so we'd encourage you just take action. You, you don't often, many times, you, you often don't need the help of anybody else. But as well, we would say, let us know if you need help. If you need help serving someone else because the needs are greater than your capacity. Or if you yourself need help, we hope you'll let us know. You might need help financially. You might need somebody to pray with you or encourage you. Uh, we've got this email address, uh, help at faithmanhattan.org. Just shoot us an email, and that will go to our, our pastors and, and our elders. And let us know that you have a need. Or maybe you want to let us know that, that uh, you want help meeting a need. And so please communicate us, with us and let us know. Earlier this week, we will, we will also be making available through eBlast a form that you can fill out to, to uh, ask for help or also to volunteer for help uh, as, as uh, opportunities are made known. We'll need people to help as needed. And so I say to you, uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in Jesus, his son. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come to you now in the strong and compassionate name of Jesus. We thank you for being very near to us during these days of uncertainty. We thank you that Jesus' time on earth somehow gave him an experiential knowledge of what it's like to live in this fallen world. We thank you for dwelling within your people through the very Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Spirit of Truth, the Spirit of Christ. We pray this morning with great confidence in your power, your authority, your knowledge, your compassion. We ask for the grace we need to walk in faith and not in fear. May the word of Christ richly dwell within us, fueling our faith and giving us greater confidence in you and your care in our lives. And as we walk by faith this week, open our eyes to the needs around us. May we care for family and friends and neighbors and coworkers. Give us discernment about the need of the moment, what words we need to speak, what expressions of compassion are needed. And we do pray for those who are sick and suffering from this virus. Heal their bodies, comfort their souls. Please protect those who are the most vulnerable, those who are lonely, those who are isolated, those whose lives have been affected the most. We pray for wisdom for those in positions of authority, for decision makers that affect cities and nations and the entire world. We pray for researchers and scientists to develop a vaccine and effective treatments. We pray for doctors, nurses, other health care providers. Give them strength and stamina and wisdom. Sustain them as they give care and show compassion to others. We pray for those who are being affected financially by this virus and by the disruption it's caused in our community, in our world. We ask that they would experience your provision, your protection. We pray for the faculty, administration, staff, students at K-State, MCC, our local school districts during these days. As we experience uncertainty, give them wisdom and discernment and peace. 
And we pray for discipline and perseverance that we might do those things that are wise to avoid spreading this virus and putting people at risk. And at the same time, we pray that you, Father, would slow and stop the spread of this virus. We believe that just as Jesus spoke a word and healed the centurion's son, you can speak protection and healing upon nations and people and cities and families. In all of this, we pray that you would be glorified, that your reputation would swell and increase throughout the nations, and that people would turn in faith to your unique son who alone can give forgiveness of sin and bring wholeness. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.